What's up, everybody? This is Jake Walker, and you're listening to Living for the Day, a podcast that exists to encourage and equip people to live for and long for the day of Jesus's return. Matthew 5, 11 through 12 says this, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. I'm really excited today. I'm talking about something that is just really motivating to me and exciting to me. It's just the idea of reward in heaven. What is that all about? What does it mean that we'll be rewarded for the things we do in this life? Um, I think it's an amazing idea and truth. So can't wait to talk about it. And uh, just thanks so much for being with me. Let's jump right into the episode. All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for being with me today. Uh, it hasn't been just me in a while on the podcast. Um, it's been so fun having such amazing people on the podcast, and um, I know we'll have guests on again soon, but uh, today it's just me. But I'm really excited about it because, yeah, we're talking about reward. We're talking about reward in heaven, and I just, I'm I'm really pumped to talk about this part of me is just like gosh we don't talk about heaven enough and we don't talk about the day enough and well obviously that's why I'm doing this podcast and we I don't think we we talk enough um in the body of Christ about the reality of how how we live and our uh, our actions in this life actually make a difference on how we experience eternity. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to be completely, joyfully happy in God for eternity, no matter what, if we're saved, if we're in Christ. But there's also this tension, there's this reality that we'll be rewarded um, in different degrees based on our our, our righteous works and deeds and, and our holiness. And it's just... We just don't talk about it a lot. And you know what? I want to talk about it. And uh, let's get into it. So just as a funny story, man, I remember, I don't know for any of you who, you know, play video games at all or no video games. There was a season in my life where I really loved the Nintendo. And me and my brother Levi... We loved Nintendo. We especially loved this game called Super Smash Brothers, which I think is still pretty popular these days. But what was interesting was there was a new console uh, way to play Nintendo. It was the Nintendo 64 for a long time. That's what I kind of started playing with was a Nintendo 64. But then, and there was the original, you know, Super Smash Bros. on the Nintendo 64, and it was very fun. But then, a new console, a new level of video game amazingness was coming out called the GameCube. <laughs> 
for those of you who know, you know, but the GameCube was coming out. We're so far, you know, advanced now from that in this day and age, but uh, the GameCube was epic and a new Super Smash Bros. Melee was coming out. And so guess what? Me and my brother, we worked hard. I think it was, I think a GameCube cost like, I think it was like $200 or something. And so my parents were like, you guys can earn a GameCube. Like you guys can work, you know, for a GameCube. And I think we did like one chore was a dollar or something like that. My parents could, could tell us. And we did, I think me and Levi together, we did like 200 chores to earn this GameCube. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I, I just remember this story and it was so worth it. Like the GameCube was so much fun. Super Smash Bros. was so fun. And I remember to this day, like this feeling of accomplishment, like, man, I, I earned that reward of this, this GameCube. And, uh, it was just a powerful thing and a powerful life lesson for me that like hard work, you know, earns rewards. And, um, you know, this whole conversation of, of reward, it is a little different because I just want to say everything comes from God and, and just our life itself is God's grace. So in no way do we actually put God in our debt. <laughs> I just want to make that really clear. Like he doesn't owe us anything. He saved us by his grace. And even, you know, our ability to work hard is ultimately his generosity and his grace and yet there is this correlation between the goodness and the beauty and value of our our good deeds and our holiness that god wants to reward and that's just exciting um it's powerful and god's given us free will and he's given us responsibility he's given us this choice on how we'll live our lives and anyway um I'm thankful for my parents uh, that they taught me to work hard and uh, that, you know, there's good that comes when we when we work hard. And so I'm thankful for that. But my friends, really? Like, we'll be rewarded? Because um, I, I, here's the thing. I think, like, I think we just kind of think, like, yeah, we're either saved or we're not. Like, we're either in heaven and we're going to enjoy that or we're not. And we don't really think of a, div- a, div- a diversity of experience in heaven um, based on rewards. And, and I want to be careful because, like, the ultimate reward, <laughs> the ultimate get, really gift is God's presence, you know? Um, and that's all merited by Christ, you know, we're only saved by God's grace through faith. And the ultimate joy and happiness in heaven is is being in the presence of the infinite God of the universe, the infinitely beautiful God. And we're finite, you know, and he's infinite. So we're going to be experiencing more and more and more of him um, throughout eternity. You know, it's just unbelievable. We will, you know, it's like I heard um, a pastor like, kind of give the example of like one mountain range to the next we'll like get to this next mountain range of the beauty and glory of god and 
And then we'll just see once we get to the top of that mountain range. Oh my gosh, there just there's another mountain range that's even higher and more beautiful than that. There's just we'll never stop exploring and knowing the depths of who God is, and and that's that is the ultimate grace. That's the ultimate gift. That's the, we are going to be so completely happy in God no matter what. And yet we don't want to throw out this other reality in the Bible that we're going to be rewarded. Um, based on how we live our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. So, um, yeah, one life and then eternity. One life and then the result. I I heard John Piper say that just the other day, and I'm going to be um, taking some of uh, his ideas uh, and his interpretations of Scripture from an amazing book I just read by him. He just came out with it called Come Lord Jesus, Meditations on the Second Coming of Christ. So, you know, very related to living for the day. So thank you, Pastor John Piper. Um, And I'll try to credit him um, as much as possible. But um, yeah, I just love that idea. One life, one life, and then eternity. One life, and then the result. (laughs) Just, it's just mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. We've got one life. And then eternity, one short earthy life. And it's like, what are we going to do? I'm reading his book right now after Come Lord Jesus. I'm reading his book, Don't Waste Your Life. (laughs) And it's so good. It's like, for some reason, God made it this way. He set it up this way that, that we've got this opportunity to make much of him and to give him glory. And, but we don't have to, and we can blow it. We can blow this one life, um, and live it not for his glory and anyway one life and then eternity and how we live our lives has a bearing on how we experience eternity there's this reality friends that we don't again we don't talk about a ton but and it's just not in our collective mind in general i feel like the the world has um some parts of our world at least have suppressed the truth of god and therefore the reality of accountability the reality of a judgment day there's a judgment day friends And um, it ought to fill the Christian with great hope and joy, and yet also fear the Lord, I think. Um, And and there's this reality of, first and foremost, what's going to be judged is, have we been reconciled to God through Christ? How, How are we justified? We're justified by grace through faith. So the first and foremost part of this judgment is, is Christ, did Christ pay your penalty on the cross? Did you appropriate what Christ made available to you through faith? That's the first and foremost thing. What did you do with Jesus? Did you repent of your sin and believe in him as your personal savior to reconcile you to a holy God as a sinner? That's first and foremost. And if you haven't made that decision, have you not repented of your sin? If you've not been made right with God, My friend listening to this podcast, oh, I plead with you, be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Come on. That's the first and foremost thing. And when we put our faith in Christ, we can look forward to the day of judgment because Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I think of John 5.24, you know, that says those who hear my word and believe in him, they do not come into judgment. And really what that means is they don't come into condemnation. 
That is good news. Um, and it's only available in Christ. That's the first part of the final judgment, right? Is where are you reconciled to a holy God? Um, and we know, and it, we just got to be real and honest about the word. There's only one way to be saved. It's not like Buddha can reconcile you to God and Muhammad can reconcile you to God. It's not, you know, these other ways are just being a good person can't reconcile you to God. There's only one way to be reconciled to God. And it's through the substitutionary atoning work and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and faith in him. So I plead with you, if you haven't, be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. Repent of your sin, believe in him, make him the Lord of your life. And if you choose not to, if those who choose not to will hear the dreaded words of of the Lord that says, depart from me, you one who practices lawlessness, depart from me. You'll be separated from your maker, the lover of your soul for eternity um, in hell. And well, that's part of why I want to do this podcast is I want no one to hear those words. Um, But the only way to not hear those words is through faith in Jesus Christ. But what we're talking about and we're focusing on today is not that part of the final judgment, which is, have we been made right with God? Have we been justified through through um, God's grace? We're talking about, in particular, for believers, for those who are saved, how God will reward us according to our works, um, recording, uh, according to how we have lived our lives. And here's the thing, y'all. Again, I just feel like we don't talk about it a lot, but it's just all over Scripture. Matthew 16, 27, Romans 2, 6 through 11, Romans 14, 10, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, Revelation 22, 12, Jeremiah 17, 10, uh, Psalms 62, 12. Just all over the place, it's saying, it's letting us know God will repay each person according to what they've done. And listen, I think part of why we don't talk about this at much, at least in um, my, you know, tradi- tradition, my, my Protestant family, maybe is because of this great emphasis that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace. And can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? I'm so thankful that I get to rely on the fact that I'm going to hear, you know, from God, not guilty. Why? Not because of my good works, but because of Jesus's good work and how he reconciled me to God. There's no condemnation for me because of Jesus and because of his grace. I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. But in our emphasis on God's grace and that we're not saved by our works, sometimes we, we, you know, we throw out this other emphasis of the Bible that our good works matter a ton and God's going to reward them, <laughs> right? And and it's this major theme. And again, we never put God in our debt. Um, but what, what do our works have to do on this judgment? First of all, they are a necessary confirmation of our saving faith, right? James says faith without works is dead. So, our works are not the the basis of our salvation, but they are this confirmation of our salvation. So there's, I like these two C's, right? The confirmation, but also our works matter as a criteria by which Christ will measure out rewards. <laughs> uh, I just like, I'm like, come on, like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the Bible talks about. 
And so I hope this doesn't fill you with like a dread fear. I hope this fills fills you with like a, oh boy, oh my gosh, like a, a fear of the Lord and like a, wow, like my good work. This to me, it fuses life with like a lot of meaning, <laughs> like, and just your day to day and your day to day holiness. It matters. And so that's part of what I'm excited. I want to keep going. So this episode doesn't get too long, but let's talk about how this is kind of going to work, um, for believers. And obviously there's Mr. Here. I don't claim to know everything. Um, but I want to go to the word, you know, in second Corinthians five, nine through 10, you know, is, is just a helpful framing passage that I want to talk about. It says, um, therefore we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, whether good or evil. Let me say that one more time. So we make it our goal to please him. Like, there it is. Like, let's please God. Like, let's make it our goal to please Jesus. We make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all, and that's just something to say. Like, in these passages, he will repay each one. Like, there's this very intentionally, um, intensely individual aspect of this judgment. Sorry. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive, remember that? Each of us may receive what is due us for the things done on the body, whether good or bad. Okay, I do want to take a moment on in what sense will we be judged for the things done bad if we're saved by God's grace and Jesus has covered our sins? In what sense will we receive both for our good and for our bad? Um, well, here's a thought. Um, and this is from uh, John Piper's book, um, Interpreting 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I thought this was helpful. Um, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 and give this idea. I'm going to talk a little bit about this idea of how will we be judged for the for the bad things we've done. Um, but I want to focus more on, on the good things and the rewards, but just hang with me for a moment. I think this will, I think this is important from God's word and I think it'll help us. First Corinthians three, 11 through 15 for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown, uh, for what it is because the day will bring it to light. The day, the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as escaping through flames. Whoa. Okay, so this, the immediate context is about um, primarily about teachers and their the quality of their teaching um, in 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 God's church, but I do believe this principle of judgment applies not just to teaching, but to, to, to defective attitudes and actions um, 
you know, sin, not just teaching and teachers. So I think the point uh, I want to make is probably uh, in what sense do we receive something for the evil we've done or the, the bad things we've done? Well, it'll be this loss of reward that could have been. Huh. There'll be this loss of reward that could have been had we instead of living in sin or doing uh, sinful action, we could have chosen to walk in holiness, to walk in righteousness, to walk in love, right? And and though we will be saved because we're covered by Christ, there is a reward that could have been that will be lost. That's a sobering thought, um, but I believe it's true. Um, and that honestly is, yeah, a motivator for me is like, wow, like if it's true, that I'm going to be rewarded for the good and there'll be rewards that I won't receive um, when I intentionally and choose to walk in sin, man, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to walk in a habit of holiness. Um, and I hope it comes across in this episode, even though I'm talking about this judgment according to the works, that my ultimate hope, my ultimate prize, my ultimate joy, and our ultimate joy, like I said at the beginning, is knowing God and glorifying God and knowing Him personally infinitely forever. But I also think this is important to talk about. So that 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 could be, you know, what we receive in terms of for the evil and the bad that we've done. Let's talk about the reward. Let's talk about the goodness. Let's talk about the joy and 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 how you know our master will will award us um, for the things we've done. So I love you know Hebrews 1 9 You've loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. I love that verse. That's such a, a sword for the battle verse for me, fighting sin. It's like, no, that's true of me. I have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And I believe there's this correlation that, that, that God's going to award with even greater joy. So let's talk about, you know, this idea of reward. First of all, we see in the scriptures that there is differing degree of reward for different disciples based on the work that they do. I think of 1 Corinthians, Paul is, um, you know, talking about himself and Apollos and, you know, the idea, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Um, And verse 8, Paul says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. They'll be rewarded according to their own labor. So there's a difference, you know, according to their own labor. So not according to the other person's labor, but their own labor. Similarly, we see, you know, Jesus talk about the parable of the mina in Luke 19. He gives 10 talents to, uh, or sorry, 10 mina to uh, a 10, you know, um, um, servants, the, the, the property manager, and, you know, one servant comes back and says, look, what's your mina's produced? It's produced 10 more mina. And he says, well done. Take charge of 10 cities. And then another says, this mina's produced five more mina. He says, awesome. Take charge of five cities. Right? So there's this degree of like fruitfulness that leads to a, a greater reward and even more authority um, in that in that illustration, in that parable. So 
that's just the a first thing to realize that there is a difference. There's a degree of reward based on how we live our lives. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, something really encouraging, something really exciting about this. Um, Ephesians chapter six, this is amazing to me. Paul is writing and he says, remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the things we do, whether we are slave or free. And it's so interesting. Um, you can't really hear it necessarily in English, but in the Greek, it's clear. Paul's saying the Lord will reward each one of us for every single thing that we do. Every single thing will be rewarded. I think that's incredible. This is all just the generosity of God. Let's remember, we never put him in his debt and put him in our debt. But God is remembering. God will reward because he's so like that. He's so generous and he's so kind and he just so loves to give. He's remembering every single good thing that you do if you're in Christ. And he will duly reward it on the day. Every single thing, every single time you choose to serve, every single time, it's just unbelievable to me. Ephesians 6, 7 through 8, every single thing will be rewarded, my friend. Come on, doesn't that make you want to go out and and just serve somebody? <laughs> go out, share your faith, and go out and, and encourage, you know, all these things. Um, what else is rewarded? Okay. Yeah, what what's rewarded? Um, obviously, these these obedience to Jesus, right? These good things that we do, but also Second um, Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen brings up something else that's rewarded. I love Second Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen. Therefore, we don't lose heart. You know, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's this reality that there's a correlation between faithful suffering and our reward in heaven. In this passage, I don't believe Paul's just talking about persecution per se, though that could be included. This is probably also aging, illness, weakness, and disability that not every Christian is called to suffer in the same extent. But Paul wants us to know that no Christian suffering is pointless. It's preparing an eternal weight of glory. As John Piper says in his book, in other words, there is a real correlation between our suffering here and the measures of glory we know there. God will award the Christian sufferer in accord with his or her suffering. These rewards will differ greatly, and those of us who suffered less will leap for joy that the rewards of those who suffered more exceed ours. What a crazy thought. And that that brings me a lot of hope um, because I have family members um, and I, and I'm just, just, just people I know, but people who are dear to me who suffered so, so, so much and so much more. And to believe that as Romans eight eighteen says, you know, for I'm convinced that the suffering we experience now is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us to, to think that, that God will have a greater measure of glory, um, for, you know, these people that are dear to me who have 
suffered so much um, that God will reward. God will, not that he takes delight in our suffering, but he will faithfully recompense um, this suffering. It's just an amazing thought to me. What else will be rewarded? Rewards for suffering persecution, like I opened up this episode, Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Right? When people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Apparently, uh, this is not just a general reward for all Christians in general, but I, I believe it's also this specific. When we choose to go out there and, and, and be faithful and we're persecuted for it, there's a reward in heaven for that. Let's talk about it. And then, what else? Luke, I think another thing is rewards for suffering embraced in the service of others. Like Luke 14, 13 through 14. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Wow. So there's this idea of when when we inconvenience ourselves for people who can't pay us back, you know, in this life, God remembers that and God will reward it. Wow. Amazing. But let's just talk for a moment. These are just some examples and I I just feel like my words fall short and I hope that you hear the heart of all this. Uh, It's not to make us, you know, um, dreadfully, fearfully obsessive. (laughs) It's, It's to fill us with a a longing for heaven, a longing for that reward, and a willingness to obey Jesus now. Because, you know, for those who don't have Christ, this world is all the, all their reward. But that's not how it is for us in Christ. And that's why we can faithfully suffer. That's why we can take up our cross. That's why we live different. Is This is not the end. This is not it. No, we're living for the day. We're living for... Jesus, we're living to know him. We're living to make him know. We're living to make much of him, not much of ourselves. Why? Because there's a great reward coming. I hope you hear my heart. Um, I don't want to make us all, you know, living in like this, just focused primarily on, ooh, what am my earthly, re- you know, my re- heavenly reward going to be? It's more, it's like, no, we just want to make much of Jesus and and glorify him. But we also want to hold on to this reality and be excited and and no, because God uses this as motivation, so we can too. Obviously, he's our first and foremost and greatest reward uh, in knowing him forever. But also, let's talk about what he wants to talk about. So what exactly, what exactly is going on here? Like, what is the reward, Jake? Like, how is this going to be different, you know? It's a mystery, but I want to share with you something that's that's helpful to me, and Throughout the church history, there's been this thought that I believe, you know, is scriptural that whatever outward form it may take, the reward is, is this, this capacity, this greater capacity for happiness and joy in God. Uh, Augustine, or <laughs> Augustine, Augustine, or you could say Augustine, Aquinas, Jonathan Edwards, the Orthodox Confession of the Eastern Church, um, believe that there's this sense that there's going to be um, the the essence of the reward is a greater capacity for joy in God. Um, really, like, 
what does that mean? Also, I mean, I think we see in scripture, there's this sense of, um, some will have, you know, greater authority. I mean, if, if that we can kind of take that from those parables, right? Take, take charge over 10 cities, take charge over five cities. You know, there's this greater level of responsibility. Um, there's this sense of, uh, in first Corinthians 15, Paul seems to be describing this, um, diversity of glory. I think this is a helpful passage to read. Um, so I think it's verses 41 through 42 or 40. Um, there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. And so Christians have interpreted this partly to refer that there's going to be a diversity of glories in the saints based on how they live their lives. (laughs) Um, That's kind of crazy to think about. And we might think like, wait, if Mama T, Mother Teresa is going to be more glorious than me, is that going to make me, you know, not, like, how is that fair? <laughs> I don't know. Is that going to detract from my happiness? And the answer is a resounding no. Listen, there's no, there's not going to be any envy. There's not going to be any sin in heaven. And so the fact that somebody else, I'm going to read this passage, uh, this amazing, uh, yeah, quotation from Jonathan Edwards that John Piper quotes. But the reality that some people may have a greater capacity for ha- capacity for happiness in God than me, we're actually going to be joyful in that for somebody else. And we're going to rejoice that God should reward those who have, have lived um, more like Christ than we have. He, he should reward them. They should have, you know, a different... Um, experience of, of, of joy in God. Um, it's, it's fitting, it's right. And uh, your joy will be my joy because we're going to be experiencing all this in a sinless state. I think I want to read Jonathan Edwards, who is a lot more articulate, articulate, (laughs) literally more articulate than me. Um, so John Piper's quoting him in his book, John Piper says, then comes the glorious picture of how this diverse but unalloyed and complete happiness among millions of saints will be a perfect corporate experience of the body of Christ. And then he quotes Jonathan Edwards. I hope you stay with me. Listen to some of these big words by Jonathan Edwards. There's some fascinating, encouraging stuff here. All right, here we go. The glory of the saints above will be in some proportion to their eminency in holiness and good works here. Christ will reward all according to their works. It'll be no damp to the happiness of those who have lower degrees of happiness and glory that there are others advanced in glory above them. For all shall be perfectly happy. Everyone shall be perfectly satisfied. Every vessel that is cast into this ocean of happiness is full, though there are some vessels far larger than others. And there shall be no such thing as envy in heaven, but perfect love shall reign through the whole society. I'm going to keep going because this is just so good. Those who are not so high in glory as others will not envy those that are higher, 
but they will have so great and strong and pure love to them that they will rejoice in their superior happiness. Their love to them will be such that they will rejoice that they are happier than themselves, so that instead of having a damp to their own happiness, it will add to it. They will see it to be fit that they have been most eminent in works of righteousness should be most highly exalted in glory, and they will rejoice in having that done, that it is fittest to be done. Those that are highest in glory, as they will be the most lovely, so they will be fullest of love, as they will excel in happiness, they will proportionally excel in divine benevolence and love to others. And besides, those that will excel in glory will also excel in humility. Here in this world, those that are above others are the objects of envy because others conceive of them as being lifted up with it. But in heaven, it will not be so. But those saints in heaven who excel in happiness will also, in humility, the saints in heaven are more humble than the saints on earth. And still, the higher we go among them, the greater humility there is. The highest order of saints who know most of God, who see most of the distinction between God and them, are Uh, and consequently are comparatively least in their own eyes, and so are the most humble. The exaltation of some in heaven above the rest will be so far from diminishing the perfect happiness and joy of the rest who are in fear that they will be the happier for it. Such will be the union in their society that they will be partakers of each other's happiness. Then will be fulfilled in its perfection that which is declared in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one of the members is honored, All the members rejoice with it. Wow. Thank you, Jonathan Edwards. Thank you, Pastor John Piper, for finding that quotation. Wow. Um, Where are we at here? Let's see. I hope I've given you something to think about. And hey, would you help me? Would you help me get a greater reward in heaven? <laughs> what do I mean by that? I think of Hebrews. You know, it says, um, Therefore let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're supposed to spur each other on, people. We're supposed to stir each other up towards good deeds. Ultimately, why? Not just because like, oh, I want to get Jake a greater reward. No, it's for the glory of God. That's our great reward. Is God looking uh, as beautiful and glorious and valuable and worthy as he really is. And that other people would be drawn into worshiping him forever. That's That's the great reward. But also... I mean, come on, like, let's encourage each other. Let's spur each other on. Let's want each other to have the the greatest capacity possible. Did you get that in Jonathan Edwards? Apparently, I love this distinction, this understanding. It's, just, it's so brilliant. Everyone will be completely, all believers, everyone who's saved will be completely happy in heaven. Like, they will, they will be completely joyful in God. But there's this thought that, there is a, people will have greater capacities for happiness in God, but that's not going to take away from the happiness and joy of the people who have a lesser capacity because they're, 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 they're fully joyful and they're fully loving. There's no, there's no sin in heaven. So the fact that someone else is going to be more full of joy, we're actually going to just rejoice in that. It's going to add to our happiness. That's what J. Edwards is saying. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'd love your your thoughts on this episode. Let me know what you think. Um, test it all. Be like the Bereans, Acts 17, right? Uh, when they heard Paul, they went and studied the scriptures to see if, you know, what he was saying was true. Do that. Um, don't just take my word for it. But um, but if this is true, if, if this is a reality, um, I just want to get it out there. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about what God talks about. I hope that, again, you hear my heart. Um, our first and foremost joy and passion should just be about <laughs> God's glory. The fact, the great grace and reward that we get to know the infinite God more and more and more and more throughout eternity. Come on and worship him with the saints, with those who have gone before and who will come ahead and um, who know Christ. Like that's that's the ultimate grace and reward. And yet there's also this reality that there's this there seems to be this diversity of glory and there's this diversity of rewards. And I guess the ultimate point is, hey, how you live your life, your actions, your attitudes, they matter. And they matter for, not for just for you, but for other people. And and they matter uh, in terms of somehow how you experience eternity. I want to know that. If that's true, I want to know it. And I want, if it's true, I want you to know it. That's why I'm doing this episode. I hope you hear that. I want your feedback. I want, uh, I'd love for you to let me know if you're encouraged. Um, if you have any thoughts, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the Bible talks about, huh? Okay, I think I've said it enough. Um, one life and then eternity. One life and then re- and then the result. God is so good. He's so gracious. He's so much better than we can imagine. I hope you're feeling it encouraged. And uh, thanks for listening to episode 47 of Living for the Day, Reward in Heaven. Um, let's talk about the nugget. The nugget is how, how we impact other people for Christ and get them ready for the day will be a part of our joy on the day. Whoa. For example, in, um, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians 2, 19-20, Paul says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Somehow, what happens to other people who we impacted for Christ will compound our reward for Christ and our and our joy. There's a sense of like, man, when I help somebody know Christ, when I build their faith and then they are rewarded on the day, <laughs> that's just going to bring me so much joy. And we're not going to be just fully at all self-focused on the day. We're going to be focused on Christ and we're in Christ and for those and others in Christ we're going to be excited for them and uh, so full of joy as they're rewarded and we get to know God used us to be a part of their reward whoa come on let's talk about it let's talk about what what uh, the Bible talks about let's talk about reward let's talk about heaven let's talk about the day Come on, 
Thanks for listening to this episode. Would you encourage me? Help me get a greater reward on the day. Not because that primarily is what it's about. It's about Jesus. But hey, let's talk about it. Love you. Have a good one.